Welcome to Bookends, a virtual book club brought to you by The Team Approach. This year on Bookends, we are focusing on leadership, and today we will visit with Edward Bedoff, who has written Leaders as Teachers. To obtain a copy of today's featured book, you can visit www.bkconnection.com. You can access today's recording and all of our Bookends programs at bookendsbookclub.net. Be sure to visit our resource blog for free chapters and other resources provided by authors featured on this program. After reading Ed's book, you might want to discuss it, and we've created a place for you to do this. Simply sign into LinkedIn, search groups, and join the group called Bookends the Discussion. In this LinkedIn group, you can post questions and discuss issues with your peers. You can dialogue with our Bookends featured authors who are members of this group. Be sure to invite your friends to join the group to listen and discuss with you. I'm your host, Susan Stamm, and I'd like to introduce Ed Bedoff, who currently serves as the Executive Director of the Leaders as Teachers Institute, which is a global executive community of practice sponsored by the Corporate University Exchange. Ed is an Aresti Center Fellow at the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton Executive Education Center. Ed also works closely with the Conference Board in New York City, where he is Program Director for the Executive Council on Talent and Organization Development, and is a Coach Facilitator for the Conference Board's Global Executive Council. Ed has had a long relationship with the Center of Creative Leadership and currently serves as an executive and team coach. Ed retired at the end of 2007 from BD, Becton Dickinson & Company, where he was the Worldwide Vice President of Talent Management and Chief Learning Officer. He is the author of Leaders as Teachers, Unlock the Teaching Potential of Your Company's Best and Brightest, and Just Promoted a 12-month roadmap for success in your new leadership role. Together with Sue Todd, president of the Corporate University Exchange, work has begun on the Leaders as Teachers field guide that will be available in the spring of 2002. Ed received his doctorate from Temple University in 1976. It's great to have this time today with you again, Ed Bedoff. Welcome to Bookends. Thank you, Susan. Ed, there have been uh, some really excellent models for this idea of leaders as teachers in, in our country's history, certainly, and also, I think, around the world. Before we talk about what this ideology really is from a corporate perspective, could you share a couple of examples that we can all relate to of great leaders who have embodied uh, these principles? Thank you, Susan. And probably I should start by saying that this concept, while having many new and innovative uh, applications in today's organizations, be they uh, business or uh, not-for-profit or the educational world, the concept itself goes back many, many centuries. If you go to some of the early civilizations, uh, through, the, uh, uh, through the great Greek philosophers, through the Middle Ages where you had artisans and apprentices learning from those artisans, all the way up to the uh, present time. Uh, there have been many, many examples of leaders serving as teachers. We have great, uh, uh, great people in our history, specifically uh, ones that you were asking about, people like Lincoln and Washington, Martin Luther King and Gandhi and Margaret Thatcher and Golden Meir and Mother Teresa and many, many less famous who were in scouts 
who are in community organizations, uh, 4-H and, uh, and the like. And then in professions, like uh, the medical professions, just, just as one, military, law enforcement, in all of those, leaders uh, actually for a very long time have served as teachers, as coaches, and as mentors. That's great. Well, your, your initial experiences with uh, leaders as teachers as a methodology uh, occurred when you were Chief Learning Officer at Beckton Dickinson and Company. Um, can you share just a little bit of what was going on at BD that made the idea of leaders as teachers so very attractive? Susan, actually, if I could go back a step before that, and then sure. I'll the BD example. My, my initial experiences with leaders serving as teachers, this, this may sound a little strange, but it, I think it will be useful for, for those listening to this interview to understand uh, some of my own roots around this. I, I, I worked with youth and with uh, adolescents and actually even with gangs back in the late 1960s into the 1970s. And I very early on saw the power of the leaders of those groups and working with them. And if you could influence them, they in turn could influence others. And it was a a very early lesson in my career that I never forgot. And then as I moved into the corporate world uh, later in the 1970s and for the next several decades, I actually used many different examples of leaders as teachers, but never at the scale, never at the scope that I did with uh, with BD. Uh, that was a very unique situation that we developed uh, and we think a, uh, quite an example that we uh, as a team developed at BD, at Beckton Dickinson, where we ended up having uh, at, at various points about 500, 550 leaders, including all members of our executive team, uh, serving, as, uh, serving as teachers and trying to build much more of a teaching and coaching uh, culture on an everyday basis as well. That's really amazing, and um, you know, as unique as it was then, it's still unique today. I would think, um, you know, in organizations that are really embracing and using this on that uh, level. Would you agree? Well, one of the things for me that is so fulfilling is to, is to uh, regularly learn about and try to influence in my own way other organizations, but learn about organizations that are using the leaders as teachers approach mm-hmm. through uh, this uh, community of practice that we have established at the Corporate uh, University Exchange called the Leaders as Teachers Institute. We have member companies that are just doing fabulous kinds of um, uh, applications of leaders as teachers, and in so many different Organizations, they, it takes a different shape and it takes a different form. And you know, in terms of guiding action learning, in terms of uh, lunchtime meetings, in terms of mm-hmm. embedded more deeply in regular curriculum, and something I'll probably come back to and, and talk about just a, a little bit later. But every day, teaching. It's, mm-hmm. it's something that I didn't really talk about that much in the book, but I, I, I call it just-in-time teaching or right. in the teaching. And that's finding examples, teachable moments every day where leaders, if they're looking for them, have the opportunity to uh, transmit information, to coach, to guide, sometimes to mentor others. And, and these examples happen 
every day in so many different organizations. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. I would expect uh, in an average day there's probably hundreds of those opportunities, as you say, if you are looking for them. I think that's the key part of that. In in chapter two, uh, you talk about uh, the fact that companies habits and history may simultaneously be its blessing and curse by making things too familiar and usually easier. Why is this so and why is uh, and was there a fear or evidence that this was uh, occurring at BD? You know, what I meant by that in the book, and see if I can explain this, is I, I was really talking, talking about habits. Habits mm-hmm. for any of us are very energy efficient. Uh, in today's language, habits of, of all kinds, personal habits as well as organizational and business and team habits, are green. They are energy efficient. But individuals and organizations all hit a steady state. They hit a comfortable uh, place. It's just the nature of who we are and it's the nature of organizational life. So they are blessings and, 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 uh, and curses at the same time because uh, these practices help us get things done and get things done pretty efficiently, but they can also limit us in terms of getting to the next level of performance, the next level of innovation, the next level of learning. Um, and uh, in some ways, these organizational habits uh, act against any kind of uh, continuous improvement culture. Well. Well, we certainly want to avoid that. I, I'd like to, to take you back a little further um, before you actually got started at BD with uh, le- leaders as teachers. What did organizational development and leadership development look like before you embraced this? Well, BD is a fabulous company. It's a very proud company. It's got a long history. Uh, this year, uh, it's celebrating its 114th birthday, if I if I recall. And... Um, and like so many companies, it also had in the area of uh, employee development, career development, leadership development, it went through phases. It went through fits and starts. It had uh, some really nice examples from the past. And then they, uh, like again, so many other organizations, they kind of died away or, or you know, as people left roles, uh, some momentum was left, uh, was lost. And um, when I moved into the role that I was in at BD, um, I was very fortunate because it was very shortly after Ed Ludwig, who I talk about in the book and who I was Mm -hmm. to have uh, uh, author the forward of the Leaders as Teachers book, became chief executive, president, chief executive officer, and then a year later, chairman. And Ed was very serious about finding out what was on people's mind across the world in, in, uh, in, in BD. And BD is a, very much a global company with presence in over 50 countries. And um, uh, he sent out some, um, uh, some of the leaders and, uh, importantly, sent out some of the very high potential leaders in the organization uh, to do uh, some data collection to find out what people were really thinking. And one of the two or three real hot buttons that Ed inherited was the company's not doing enough to, do, to help us develop in our careers and develop as leaders. So it became 
uh, for Ed and fortuitously for me uh, a, a burning platform. What to do about that was a whole other question, but um, there was a burning platform, and that that uh, does help set the stage in readiness for change rather than you know a very complacent status quo situation. Yeah, for sure. Was was there a track record for leaders as teachers before the BD launch? And if so, what did uh, some of the pioneers out there learn from their early ventures into some of this kind of ideology? Uh, is the question, Susan, a question at BD? Was there a track record? Or? Oh, actually, you know, some of the, the, the folks prior to the BD launch that, um, you know, maybe had uh, the opportunity to, um, conceptualize this ideology and try this ideology, uh, you know, other places. Oh, in other places, good. Well, uh, let's first of all give credit where credit is due. Um, uh, Noel Tishy, who is at the University of Michigan and who also took several years and uh, and worked uh, at, at the uh, famous uh, uh, Crotonville Center for GE. Uh, uh, did a lot of work in the area of leaders as teachers, and in uh, some of his books, like The Leadership Engine, uh, talked quite a bit about leaders as teachers. And um, GE, from a corporate point of view, was one of the companies that was a early-in pioneering company, particularly in their higher-level programs using leaders as teachers. Uh, Tishy also uh, coined the term uh, leadership teachable points of view. And uh, it was something that uh, was in play and used uh, in common practice within some of the GE executive programs. So there were some things to learn from uh, those early seedlings in, uh, in corporate life. There were also some examples, for example, at, uh, at, at PepsiCo, uh, where there was some uh, very good use of leaders as leaders as teachers. What we did at BD was once we started to use leaders as teachers, we quickly saw the power of it. Uh, quickly began to experience the the numerous benefits of it, and it became the backbone of what we called BD University. And uh, it was the mainstream way that we did live teaching uh, anywhere in the BD world. So if you went to Europe or Asia or South Latin America, certainly in the Americas, uh, this became part of the way we, uh, we taught in a, in a more formalized way, and, and, and it had many adaptations at BD and still does today. Well, a little earlier when we were talking, uh, Ed, and I was asking you about uh, you know, whether or not this was a common practice amongst or organizations today, you made the comment that um, you know, it can be expressed in so many different ways, and, and certainly uh, you talk about this um, in, in the book. Um, is it possible to, um, to give us an, kind of an overarching definition um, uh, it may be obvious, but perhaps not. You know, um, how, you know, how would you describe what leaders as teachers 
give. And um, is it possible that you might have some, some uh, stories that leaders have shared with you uh, that explains, you know, from their point of view, why this uh, is such a powerful approach to meeting an organization's uh, developmental needs. Yes, thank you. That, that's a great question, Susan. Thank you. When I talk about leaders as teachers, I use it as shorthand for a culture in a in an organization where leaders truly feel a responsibility to teach, sometimes formally, sometimes informally, to coach, and sometimes to mentor others. So it's a, it's a uh, developmental culture. And it can take many different forms. I mentioned a little bit earlier, and I said I would come back to it, so let me start, start with just-in-time teaching or in-the-moment teaching, as we talked about a few minutes ago, the mm-hmm. dozens if not hundreds of examples uh, or opportunities day in and day out in meetings, in planning sessions, in walking down the hall and t- taking business trips, in doing meeting debriefs, uh, uh, having lunch together and, and talking about what just occurred. This is just-in-time teaching, just in-the-moment teaching. And, and coaching, and I, I don't get hung up on the strict definitions between them. It's it's this developmental nurturing environment and and culture. Uh, it, in a more formalized way, it can take uh, a number of different forms. It could um, le- leaders can contribute by helping to identify learning needs and and work on learning and performance solution design. I go into this quite a bit in uh, Chapter 3 of, of, the, of my book. It can take the form of live teaching, of which there are dozens of ways that uh, a person can teach, co-teach, team teach, uh, using many different active and experiential learning opportunities. Uh, it could be through the use of media and technology in today's language, uh, teaching through so, uh, through social media and social learning and using those tools. It could be through pre- and post-program teaching and coaching that drive application and learning impact, uh, sending somebody off to a program, not just sending them off, but coaching ahead of time, setting an expectation that we're going to get together and talk about what you've learned and how you're going to apply it when you get back. Uh, it could uh, also be um, once a person personally becomes involved in a more formal way in the uh, leaders teachers process, being involved in the recruiting and the training and the coaching and mentoring of leader teachers themselves. And I have so many stories of that, so many anecdotes, I'll just share one or two with you of the power of this. Vince Forlenza, who currently is the president of, uh, of, of BD, uh, was one of our very senior executives early on who became actively involved with our leaders as teachers' uh, efforts. And uh, Vince would uh, frequently teach in our leadership development program and in our advanced leadership development program. And his reaction after the first time that he taught in that program uh, always stuck with me. Vince, Vince would reflect on how much he learned from teaching 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, he heard things in the discussions that would have been more difficult uh, to hear uh, in uh, in day-to-day discourse. Uh, people felt more permission to talk about things that were on their mind uh, because those programs were made up of uh, people across many geographic and uh, business and functional boundaries. He got, he gained a lar- uh, a greater perspective of how people viewed issues and thought about things in the company from those different diverse perspectives. And um, and Vince and so many of our other uh, leaders frequently, frequently will say, uh, I'm not sure who learned more, the <laughs> participants or me, between my own preparation and my own uh, standard of wanting to really do a, a, a terrific job, which really caused me to understand the content more and really think about how we were going to uh, actively teach and facilitate to the kinds of things that I just referred to that, that come out in those in those discussions. So that, that example of Vince Ferlenza is, uh, is a very common one that we will hear from uh, leaders. And, I, and uh, this is often uh, reflected in our Leaders as Teachers Institute discussions. I'm, I'm hearing uh, very much the same thing from other companies and organizations. That's great, and, and it's a great example. And, you know, I, I can um, imagine that a leader has the opportunity to create kind of a rather intimate environment where that kind of sharing that can really uh, help the organization be more successful take place. Uh, and it sounds as though uh, Vince was very successful in creating that kind of environment of trust where people really felt free to, to share. And, um, you know, certainly uh, the organization is better for it. That is exactly the case. And uh, may I give you one other please, example? Please. In one of our early leadership development programs, we had uh, quite a number of um, very strong uh, Leaders, and, and uh, including a number that we would regard as some of our highest potential people, going through this program. The program was being taught, uh, in addition to myself and one or two of my own teammates, uh, taught by a, uh, a team of uh, three or four of our senior most executives who we had taken through the program first, cascading it down from the top, not from not from the middle up, you know, in so many organizations you hear people say, well, this is great, but my thing <laughs> about this, so that was an important change process. But in that example that I'm referring to, there was uh, an elephant in the room, mm. um, metaphorically, that was uh, one of those things that a lot of people in the company had on their minds, but they were concerned about raising it. And it came out and it, when it came out, it came out powerfully in And our chairman and chief executive officer, Ed Ludwig, who had been with the group the day before and who was back in his, uh, back in his office when this, this came up, we were at an off-site conference center, uh, I actually contacted him after that afternoon session, that early, I think I got him late afternoon or early evening, and told him about what was on people's minds. And you talk about a teachable moment. It said, well, I have a very busy schedule tomorrow, but I'm going to change what I'm doing, and I will act tomorrow 
And uh, I want everybody in that room to know how important it was. Mm. They raised that issue. So let's address it. Let's deal with it. And he was there. Uh, it was one of the uh, most exciting learning mm. moments I've experienced over a 40-plus year yeah. career. And it would have been so easy for him to have missed it. Absolutely. But he made the choice not to. Yeah, and and in doing so, he set the uh, what, what we what we call setting the tone at the top. Mm-hmm. He set the tone about how important it was to have these sessions. How important it was to be candid, to be courageous, to raise things like this, and how important it was, and what he expected. Those participants, very important leaders themselves in their in their own right in the organization, uh, what he expected them to do when issues like that were raised, when they were just leading day to day, let alone in a in a more structured learning environment. Yeah, you're absolutely right. He he role modeled the behavior, and um, you know I think you bring up an important point here uh, in talking about um, Ed in in that. Um, this wasn't just sort of another program. I mean, his very actions by you know, clearing his calendar and showing up at that that moment. I mean, if he waited just a few days later, it would have been different. Um, you know, so he he was uh, not only role modeling the behavior he was looking for, but his actions showed his commitment. Uh, you know, probably um, which really had an influence on BD's success with this whole approach. It's not just techniques. I think there's, uh, you know, a lot to do with the leader's involvement and belief in what's happening here. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I can tell you that a number of years later, that single action still has an amplifying effect in the company. People remember this. They, they, mm-hmm. A number of years later, people used that as an example. They talked about that. And uh, for anybody that was part of it, I think it's one of those examples that you remember for the rest of your career. That's great. Ed, can you share with us the benefits and the impact that Leaders as Teachers has had on BD? Yes, and uh, when I share these, I I want to talk about them, describe them in a way that I think is highly predictable that these same benefits will be experienced in other and, and are being experienced in other organizations as well. Good. Talk about these in Chapter 2 of the Leaders as Teachers book, and I refer back to them throughout the book. Uh, one is it helps drive business results. I'm careful to say I, 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 I use the term help drives because it takes so many different factors for a, a, an organization or a company to be successful. And I think it's hard to isolate anyone and say it was that. But when you when 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 you ha- are in an organization where the executives, the leaders, the leaders at many levels, not just the top alone, but leaders throughout the organization are teaching and coaching and mentoring day in and day out and then uh, doing it in a more formalized way through the, uh, whether it's a corporate university or 
whatever other platforms exist in, in those organizations, they are deeply involved. Uh, they experience things themselves. They hear direct feedback. They influence very, very directly. And one of the most commonly heard quotes that I hear, not just in my former company, but in numerous companies, is, I don't know how we would do this if we weren't teaching our values, teaching our strategy, teaching about the importance of, um, uh, of a compliance environment, uh, uh, talking and modeling innovation. Uh, so it helps drive business results. In BD's case, uh, while many factors have gone into it, uh, the company has uh, close to a 40-quarter mu- uh, run of meeting or exceeding expectations, and no matter how you count, that's about a decade. Yeah. So many, many different things go into that, but BD executives and leaders will tell you that their involvement as, le- as being uh, leaders, as teachers, and as, and as coaches uh, is one of those factors. Second is that it stimulates the learning and development of leaders and and employees and associates in those organizations. I think that's an obvious one. And and the third is that it improves the leadership skills of those who teach. And I I alluded to this a few minutes ago. Most of the people who formally teach uh, and serve as leader teachers will say, you know, I really had a bone up on this, or I would not have felt good about myself if I was teaching one thing and and I knew, let alone others knew, that I wasn't acting on that okay. in a, on a regular basis in, in the way I lead. And, and I'll, I'll hear people say, you know what, getting ready to teach that and teaching that helped me make some, uh, some course corrections myself in terms of what I was doing day to day. So that's a a third benefit, which is improves the leadership skills of those who teach. It uh, clearly strengthens the organizational culture and communications within the organization. There's much more of a free flow of communication. Uh, You you can feel it in the, you can feel that developmental sense, that nurturing sense, um, while still keeping a business edge. Uh, in that culture. So that's the fourth, strengthens organizational culture and communications. A fifth of six is uh, that it promotes positive business and organizational change. Uh, When you have have your chairman, when you have your CEO, when you have your middle-level managers uh, and everybody um, uh, in between involved in teaching and communicating and driving initiatives, uh, in uh, in modeling those, uh, it it is a it is a uh, a potent force in any organization. And the last one that I talk about is that it reduces the cost uh, reduces cost by leveraging top talent in the organization. BD we ran a, a very lean uh, uh, learning and development function, mm-hmm. but I like to say it was lean in one sense, but um, very rich. In right. another sense, because we had over 500 leaders teaching throughout throughout the world, and um, uh, there uh, we 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 uh, can also talk about 
uh, how to how to get that done. But a lot of that is is also through co-teaching and team teaching. Very uh, very commonly, we would have our leaders uh, working uh, and being prepared by our professional staff or more experienced leader teachers. So it reduces costs by leveraging top talent. Those are the six primary benefits. Those are great, and you know it's hard to imagine an organization that have 500 uh, people in their learning and uh, development department at their disposal to uh, teach leadership skills. It's just excellent. Yeah, well, I, I want to be clear to say that we had uh, a, a tiny fraction of that number, but you get that multiplier effect when you right. when you engage your leaders across the organization. Yeah, and I want to talk about that a little bit more um, uh, because one of the areas of the book that was really quite exciting to me was when you were talking about BDU, which is such a unique approach to a corporate university. Um, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about it and uh, how it was structured, how content got selected, and how that university um, drives its organizational agenda. It's, I'm sorry, its educational agenda. Well, the educational and developmental agenda in any modern organization needs to be an, uh, in, intricately related uh, and linked to the strategy of the company. So the way the, the BD University formed was we, we engaged uh, uh, a study team, an internal study team, what at BD was called a, a profile. And, um, and that team went to work on what's working, what's lacking, what do we need, and then I embarked on about a 45-day intensive uh, set of interviews across the company, in many different parts and locations of the company, and came back and made the recommendation that this is a direction that I think we're ready for as a company, and that while very different than anything that the company had experienced on a large scale before, would be, uh, would be the way to proceed. And um, that was, we went into uh, kind of an executive uh, uh, presentation around that, and, uh, and uh, it was, the idea was really embraced. And we started off slow, and um, uh, I should say we started off carefully. Yes. Uh, uh, slow uh, is not, is not a, a word that really is in my vocabulary, but we started mm -hmm. off carefully and built momentum quickly, but we did nothing any faster than we could uh, uh, ensure success in what we were doing. So we built on successes. We took a lot of care in the preparation of the selection of, of what, what was going to be taught, and it all came out of what the needs and what the strategies for growth were in the company. And, BDU formed around a, uh, we formed a leadership college, we formed a business skills college, we formed a operational effectiveness college, uh, and we uh, formed a career development college. Those were the first four colleges uh, that were created over the first year or two of BD University back in 
uh, about 2000, 2001, 2002, and those have continued to grow, and there are many uh, other elements of BD University that now exist in BD that my successor, uh, uh, Tom Ruddy, is uh, is leading and um, uh, really taking into into account what some of the more current needs are in the in the company. So that's what we did. We started on uh, we started on a small and careful scale, and then we just built and built and built on success after success. We used uh, uh, some simple change strategies, and we used the John Cotter eight-step model behind the scenes, uh, but several important tenets that we, we, we used were uh, expressions that, that, uh, that I really like, which were we, we would only go to the light, and you can't get big mo, meaning momentum, until you get little mo. Yeah. And uh, going to the light meant not getting hung up on areas where there would be resistance. Go to where there was real receptivity, real need, and don't worry about people who weren't buying in first. Go with those leaders and those high influentials in the organization who were interested in this leaders as teachers concept and let them be exemplars, role models, uh, and let them influence the culture as it developed, and it just it just took off like uh, took off like a rocket. Those are great, and I loved I loved those uh, principles uh, in the book. Um, yeah, a key point that uh, leaders generally get what they model and expect of others. I I enjoyed uh, reading that in your book and certainly agreed with it. And you talk about this um, in the fourth benefit in, in the book. And, and certainly an example of that um, was the uh, president of the organization. Um, you know, are there any other um, examples about this particular fourth benefit? I think this is uh, so critically important, uh, strengthening the organizational culture and communications. Uh, anything else about that that you might share with us? Well, I would just go back to the, uh, to the term that I used a few minutes ago about setting the tone at the top. Mm-hmm. And when, uh, when I think about that expression, uh, I talk about it as any organization having many different tops. A person is a team leader. He or she is the top of that team, uh, the top of a function, the top of a business, the, uh, the country general manager is the, 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 the top leader of, of, of that country's business efforts. And um, it was very important to um, have that modeling going on by those who are, in fact, in those roles. Uh, not all of them are as comfortable being front and center, but some were working behind the scenes to identify what those learning and performance needs were. And then we kind of integrated that effort into uh, the development of programming and curriculum and, and the like. So um, just many, many different ways to contribute. Yeah. Well, BD also incorporated 10 principles from the work of Jim Collins. I was happy to read that. Uh, And, of course, Jim Collins is the author of Good to Great and also Built to Last. Um, um, Some of his principles were incorporated into um, 
how Leaders as Teachers works at BD. Can you talk to us a little bit about um, you know, a few of your favorite of these 10 principles that were incorporated uh, and explain their implications um, for Leaders as Teachers? Sure. We were, we were uh, very lucky to have um, Jim Collins spend some time with uh, the very top senior executives in the company back in the 1990s and in the early, uh, uh, I guess, somewhere around 2000, 2001, 2002. And uh, we, we really believe in a lot of the built the last, uh, good to great, and in this third book in the trilogy of books, that uh, highly researched books that uh, Jim Collins has done, uh, How the Mighty Fall, uh, those, those principles, those concepts are very important uh, and uh, are really evident in many ways at, at BD as part of that culture. So several of them uh, that I would just call out as examples, uh, in, in establishing BDU, one that came right out of the Built the Last work, which, which is uh, preserve the core but stimulate progress. So it was important to us, it was important to me personally, to, uh, to really appreciate, to validate, and to transfer forward some of the deep, rich history and values and culture that the company had developed over its first close to 100 years at that time. And, and also uh, to take any of the good ideas, regardless of where they came from, anywhere in the world that may have been uh, ideas and, and even pieces of programming that may have been very disparate. That was one of the things that I had inherited. There were pockets of, of good efforts going on all over the company, but they were very disparate. And to preserve those and to use those as part of what uh, we needed to build upon to stimulate progress, progress of BD in the establishment of BD University, and more importantly, in the, the company as a whole. We also, at the time, in establishing the university, we had to face, face the brutal facts. Uh, the company at the time was doing okay, but was not doing great, given, given its very proud history. And... Um, and we didn't have that much to work with in establishing the university. And we had to face the brutal facts that one of the two or three most important things that our associates in the company raised around the world in that, uh, in that uh, information-seeking process that I mentioned a few minutes ago that Ed Ludwig chartered as he came on as CEO was people feeling that the opportunities for their development weren't there and the resources weren't there. These were all part of the brutal facts that we embraced and used in a positive sense. Um, as we selected some of our first leader teachers, we, uh, we took Colin's idea of uh, first who and then what. So it was very important for us to build kind of in our governance structure uh, uh, and in those who were helping to launch BD University, uh, we, we needed to gather some of the best, best minds, some of the best energy in the company 
to help us figure out what to do next. So first who, then what. And uh, the last one I would comment on, I, uh, I, I could actually comment on all, all of the, the principles that, uh, that, uh, that we uh, borrowed and cited from Collins in the book, uh, is the importance of level five leadership. This is that unique but all too rare blend of uh, fierce resolve, fierce will to get to the finish line, to achieve goals, then to get to those next goals, uh, while at the same time demonstrating grace and humility in doing that. It's very hard for leaders to do. It's a, it's a rare combination. And um, the aspiration to develop level five leaders in the company was an important one. And that's a journey to do that. You don't, you don't become a level five leader overnight. Right. The fierce resolve, the, the intense will, uh, that hard drive to achieve great goals is more common to be seen, but uh, commonly seen. But to have that blended with humility, yeah. that's not a combination you find easily. It's rather unique. It is rather unique, and I, uh, I don't want to embarrass anybody at, at BD, but, <laughs> but there were several of our top executives Mm. Who I would, uh, who I still hold in very, very high regard, um, who I think are models of level five leadership. And I'll just mention one, who is uh, Ed Ludwig, oh, uh, still, chairman, still chairman of the company, and um, uh, and he just set a, a great example and still continues to set a great example. Yeah, I think what you shared about him earlier really demonstrated that too the story that you shared earlier. Well, one, one uh, addition, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I, I want to mention a resource for those who are listening to this interview who might be interested in getting a better feel for what that was actually like in, mm-hmm. in, uh, in BD. Uh, the Corporate University Exchange uh, did uh, a fabulous job in the fall of 2000 and I'm going to say 2007, I think it was, of uh, interviewing many different executives and many other leader teachers at various levels in the company. And they collected close to 25 hours of video interviews and and pulled it together in a terrific 23-minute video that is available online. Anybody that has the Leaders as Teachers book can uh, uh, can find two links to those videos on page nine of the book. One is through a corporate uh, university exchange um, uh, link, and the other is through an ASTD link. So yeah. uh, those would be uh, those would be, I think, a valuable resource to find. They truly are. I, I really uh, would encourage people to check that out. Um, one final question um, um, that I'd like to uh, discuss, because we did mention this earlier but didn't get very far into it, which is really a, a kind of a key concept that um, shows up throughout the book and relates to leaders as teachers, and that's this concept of leadership points of view. You mentioned it um, a little while back, but we really didn't get into exactly what it is. Um, so before we conclude our time, uh, can you explain what it is and, and how it can be used? 
uh, leadership teachable point of view is actually a trademarked uh, term that Noel Tishy uh, came up with, and um, and uh, it has uh, different organizations uh, talk about it in different ways. They talk about teachable points of view. They talk about leadership perspectives. Uh, some different organizations have different names for it, but it is essentially something that is core. It is it is part of the essence of what good leaders have. They have strong beliefs about uh, the way business should be done. They have strong beliefs about the way teams should operate. They have strong beliefs about integrity and a moral compass. They have strong beliefs about um, the, the importance of people. And I, I'm just giving four examples there, but these are strong beliefs that they model they talk about and that they sometimes formally teach and powerfully sometimes informally teach by the way they lead every day. So that's what I mean by leadership teachable points of view. Yeah, that's great. Chief for first coming up with that term. Well, well, Ed, before we uh, conclude our time today, um, I have learned that you and Sue Todd, the president of Corporate University Exchange, are currently working on writing the sequel to, uh, to Leaders as Teachers. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what we can expect in the Leaders as Teachers field guide? Uh, when might this be coming out? And, and also, how can folks learn a little bit more and even experience training around some of the concepts that we've been talking about today? Well, we are very excited about uh, working on this sequel to Leaders as Teachers, which we are going to be call, uh, calling the, uh, the Leaders as Teachers Field Guide. We have been so impressed and so influenced by fabulous practices that are going on in many, many different companies and different organizations, not just companies, but different types of organizations that we want to draw on those examples, we, we have an opportunity to influence some of those ourselves through the Leaders as Teachers Institute, and um, uh, some operate uh, certainly completely outside of um, our, our own sphere of influence with, with the Leaders as Teachers influence, uh, Institute. And uh, we're, we're going to be interviewing uh, learning and development, leadership development leaders, some other business executives about those practices, and we're developing a guidebook that will have checklists, tools, resources, all of which will help anybody from soup to nuts or just starting in the middle and grabbing some of them apply some of the practices that we know and that are in place in other organizations. So it'll be a veritable treasure trove of, of ideas, of uh, resources, tools, and uh, all of which can be used for application purposes. We've just started the work on the book. We have it uh, outlined. We're about to start writing, and our plan is to have it available for the spring of uh, 2012.
Sounds really great. What about the, you know, training resources, train the trainer, um, you know, uh, places where people can come together to, you know, kind of conceptually wrap their head around leaders as teachers and go back to their organizations and um, implement? Yes. Um, I have a little uh, biased point of view on this because our leaders <laughs> is doing just that. Uh, if the listener is interested, they can go to www.corpu.com backslash leadership and find out about the Leaders as Teachers Institute uh, or just Google Corporate University Exchange and uh, talk to uh, anybody at Corporate University Exchange about what we're doing. Uh, If you wanted to contact me directly, uh, you can get in touch with me uh, through my university email, which is ebetoff, B-E-T-O-F, at Wharton, W-H-A-R-T-O-N, dot U-P-E-N, the letter U-P-E-N-N, dot E-D-U. Uh, or if people even just wanted to call me on my, on my mobile number, it's area code 201-522-4800. So I, uh, one of the most fun things and most satisfying, fulfilling things for me is to get out in companies and just help people uh, implement some of this work. So I do a lot of those advisory and consulting kinds of assignments. Well, thank you for being so accessible for people who might have interest and uh, you know, firsthand experience in um, having some of your guidance in, this, in, in the classroom was you know, very valuable to me. Uh, Ed, and so I really want to thank you for taking the time to be with us today and to share your ideas around leaders as teachers with um, with everyone who is listening. And um, just thank you, thank you for your work and and for the the field guide. We'll certainly look forward to that. It sounds wonderful. So I just wanted to remind folks that following our interview today, you are invited to join in this conversation by joining the group on LinkedIn called Bookends the Discussion. You can pose questions related to this book, and you can dialogue with your colleagues and peers there. To download this podcast or to listen on your computer, you can visit bookendsbookclub.net and be sure to check the resource blog. We will be posting a chapter from Leaders as Teachers on the resource blog on the site. Thanks again for being with us, Ed Bedoff. We really appreciated uh, your time today. Thanks so much. Thank you, Susan.